Hey everybody, I'm Jenny Anchondo. Welcome into Second Shot, where you know we take a second shot at the headlines, but we also want to take a second shot at, at how we're doing life, how we're living our lives, how we're teaching our children, and you know. Across the country, we've been having this discussion about race, about how we talk to our kids about it, about how we can make it better for our kids in the future and, and our grandkids and those who come down the line. And I guess what I kind of realized as I was having some of these conversations with people was that a lot of people truly didn't understand what's going on with regard to race in our country because they didn't have personal connections with people who had dealt with some of the racism, people who, who worried for their own children. And so, gosh, instead of judging that situation, we figured, why don't we put together a conversation of people who can explain what that's like and also talk about what it's been like for their children. Um, this, is, this has been a part of, gosh, a conversation among many women in my friend circle and fellow moms for years now, and I hope that this conversation continues so that we can all get some growth. On Second Shot, we cover two new stories every week to find out what kind of wisdom the world is dishing out today. And at the heart of every one of these stories are people, just like you and me, who've had to overcome incredible odds, to face the greatest challenges, to struggle and fight back. But now, we're changing it up. In these episodes, we're skipping the headlines and going straight to the people that inspire us to grow, to be bold, seek change, and act courageously when the rest of the world may not. A second look, a second chance, a second shot. This is Second Shot Sit Downs with your host, Jenny Anchondo. brought in a few of my friends that I thought would be uh, be able to add to some of this conversation. So Kiana Pickney is a stay-at-home mother of one. She is also a fu uh, future supermodel, past supermodel. <laughs> Kiana, welcome in. We also have Patsy Young-McHale, who is an attorney and a mother of two. Hello, Patsy, and welcome. We also have Marisol Beltran, who is an insurance recruiter and entrepreneur and founder of Hasta La Luna. Welcome, ladies. So good to see you. Our, our first, this is like the most guests we've ever had via Skype. So I'll kind of direct each, each question to each person. But Kiana, gosh, I want to start out like on a super hard, super serious note, because it stems from a conversation you and I had that I don't think I will ever forget. And we were talking about our kids. Um, just for background, both of our kids are three years old. They've been friends almost since birth. and. I remember you telling me about, gosh, I, I worry about the day that someone might look at, at Brighton and little James and think that something was wrong with them holding hands or be worried uh, about her being with him because you are raising an African-American boy with two tall parents. He's, he's going to be a big guy. And I remember you saying that you worried about that, and that's not a worry I've had to consider. So, so talk about that and, and, and what your feelings are around that situation. So, you know, it, it, it's, um, it's very tough for me to even talk about because, you know, we want to protect our kids as long as we can, right? And so when, uh, when Jamesy gets to play with Brighton, it's so beautiful because they're, they just have these pure hearts where they, they don't know anything. But what I see is, two young kids playing together, but I know that when Jamesy gets older and he's bigger, like he becomes a threat at that point. And I just don't know at what point, um, you know, he, he's, 
he's just so innocent now and just um i don't know it's 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 just it's very tough for me to to even think about the day that i have mm -hmm. to have this conversation with him when i have to tell him okay honey like your friends that you play with now they may not want to play with you when they get older because of your skin color or because of other influences from um, other kids at school where you're not cool or you're a threat or they don't want you at their house um and then uh, my husband was saying you know sometimes um even with jamesing and knowing how big he's gonna be and just like you know our environment and the and the sports and things that we put him into and the schools that we want to choose for him he is going to be the minority um, just because of, you know, we 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 are trying to be intentional with diversity and who he plays with, but um, just realizing that at some point um, we're going to have to have that talk with him that, you know, that this may change. Um, that's yeah. really tough and to even think about. It's so heartbreaking to think about their, you know, their, their sweet friendship and that anybody would think anything but it being a, a sweet friendship down the road. Um, and Keanu, you, you also, we talked about the situation you had in the mall and I just can't get my mind off of it because it sort of highlighted for you what life might be like down the road um, when you go into a mall and expect to be treated like everybody else. Yeah, so I was with my, I'm sorry, I get emotional talking about it. I do it too, because, I do um, too, I know. Yeah. Because we just we really want to protect our kids, right? And um, there's there's no amount of education I can prepare him for because he's going to be black no matter what, no matter how well he speaks, no matter what college he goes to. His dad is a doctor, and we still face racism every single day of our lives. Um, even even like yeah, that's a whole other subject. So anyway, back to your question because I can talk about everything. Yeah. Um, so I was in the mall with my with my nephew who who was 16 years old at the time, and um, we were we were going into you know different um, high end stores and um, because he had done really good that summer and I wanted to treat him to a designer belt. So you know he comes from you know a family that don't have very much, and so he would typically fit the stereotypical you know. Um, like ghetto guy, right? Um, that that when you see him, he had a hoodie on and all those things. So we're walking through the mall. We go into a high-end store and um, we're together. And the, the the associate comes and he and he goes, "You can't be in the store." And I said, "Why not?" And he said, um, "You can't be in here." And I said, "Are mm -hmm. you guys closed?" And he said, "No, we're not closed, but you have to be 16 to be in the store." And I said, "Are you kidding me?" Like. I'm way older than 16 and, and this is my nephew. And he said, well, I need to see your ID. So I show him my ID and, and then he said, well, you can't be in here. Um, he has a hoodie on. And I, my nephew looked at me as to say, like, what are you gonna do about this? And I said, that's okay, we're gonna leave. Um, and I'm gonna call my agency because I had done the show, it's Versace in North Park Mall, I'll just call him out. <clears throat> excuse me, but I had done the show numerous times. I know that Versace is not a racist brand, but you have this person that's representing you in your store. So I called my agency and he eventually lost his job. Um, so I, it was a good teaching opportunity because I got to show my nephew that there's power in saving that emotion, that anger, and um, using that in a, it, like fighting with your mind and not with your emotion. 
Um, and that's what I wanted to teach him. Like, yes, you want to curse them out and you want to say, you want to prove your point. Um, but do you really want to buy from this person that's treating you this way? Um, and, and it was hard because I saw my nephew in my, uh, I saw my son in my nephew, like one day I'm going to have to have these same conversations with him. Um, so yeah. Of course. And, and just how heartbreaking. I'm, I'm glad he had you there because again, to maintain composure in a situation like that is not something, um, everybody would have the wherewithal to do, um, understandably. So I appreciate you sharing the story. Um, Patsy, I want to talk to you about this. I know that you are you have two Asian-American children. You came here to the U.S. at, what, I think, just two years old, right? Um, and and I know that you went to, you took the kids to a, a Black Lives Matter event with some signs and, you know, sort of in a, in a distanced fashion. Can you talk about that, why you did it, why you think it's important for your kids to kind of understand that? Yes. So when everything started to come out on the whole, um, you know, racism issue, which really has always been there, but just, you know, the conversation coming out, I mm -hmm. guess, if you will, um, in a very real way, um, I kind of thought to myself, you know, I had so many, I, I'm an attorney, um, and several of my colleagues, so again, like you, Kiana, you know, your husband being a doctor, so... Um, you know, these friends of mine who are attorneys themselves, and they are very successful attorneys, um, you know, they work in um, high-level corporate jobs, they're partners in big law firms, um, and then they're married to uh, spouses who are doctors also and professionals and that sort of thing. And so their kids experienced discrimination at Sonic. So I don't, I don't know if y'all read about that in the media. Yeah, well, but we that's did what cover it, like, actually. Um, and these children were, um, um, you know, a child of a, of a judge, um, you know, included in there. And so it was one of those situations where I saw that and I saw all these stories um, and thought, you know, we need to be more intentional and truly raise our children to be anti-racist. And and so how do we go about doing that? And so I kind of thought in my head, and I'm still working on it because it's just a completely overwhelming, mm -hmm. to be honest. Mm -hmm. But um, just really, how do, I, how do I teach my kids to actively be anti-racist? And, you know, starting out with teaching them, you know, because we always talk about the golden rule, um, love your neighbor, treat others the way you want to be treated. Um, so there's the, the, a starting point there. But then even more than that, self-awareness. Um, I was on another um, CLE, Continuing um, Legal Education, in which um, some of these uh, groups, uh, for instance, it was, it was put on by the Dallas Women Lawyers Association, actually. Mm -hmm. And they put on a really good program that kind of talked about, um, you know, the racial divide and how do we talk to each other and how do we talk to um, our kids about this. Um, and so I, you know, I, I listened in on that and got some really good tips there as well. Um, just really making yourself, so I'm working on this too, self-awareness, because we all have biases as human beings. What are your biases? And um, so they directed us to the, I think, what am I, it's the Harvard Implicit Bias Study. 
Um, and so I took it and it's, it's really kind of cool. My, my niece took it also and her boyfriend did too. So teaching my kids self-awareness and hey, what prejudice and what biases do you have and why? Um, and then also just that educational piece too. So, and I know they are learning some of it, but there's so much more to it. Um, I'll tell you one of the most um, eye-opening things that I helped my son with was he had to write a civil rights speech um, this past spring and he had to pretend like he was the person and write it from their point of view and what life was like during that time. And so he had chosen Martin Luther King Jr. And so just helping him with that and, and researching and writing it was uh, really eye-opening. And just listening to everyone's experiences, like even listening to Kiana right now, it's eye-opening it. And those stories need to be told so that we all understand um, you know, that, that, this, that racism is alive and well, and we really need to take affirmative steps to be anti-racist. So the last thing too, I was gonna say about attending the rally. So that's the final yeah. piece was what I was thinking about mapping it out. It's actually taking action and standing up for what's right. And one of the um, panelists in that uh, DWLA, the, the Dallas Women Lawyers Association, I thought was so compelling because they talked about how, especially since my son Ryan is 11, he's older, he's a tween. He can understand a few more things than my daughter. Um, and being intentional about how do you stand up your friends? Let's role play. Like what happens when your friend who is black, you know, this happens to them when you're at the mall. What do you do? What do you do for them to stand up and, and be able to say, hey, you know, doesn't seem right. Let me call my mom, you know, because this doesn't seem right, you know, what, what you're saying and doing and how you're treating my friend. They um, really so do. Yeah, they, they learn from, from what we're doing and how, to, to your point, Patsy, about how we react. Do we see something and say it's wrong but do nothing? Mm -hmm. Or we, do, we do, do we do the one step further? Do we do the harder thing that, that, that makes the bigger impact is see what's happening, know it's wrong, and, um, and effectively take action? Um, so, so it seems like that, that's what you've done, and I think it's been a, just a great example for your kids, Patsy. So Marisol, let's talk about your you know, background. She has a teenager and then a two-year-old, almost three-year-old, so kind of in that same age range as Brighton Marisol. We, you grew up in Oak Cliff, and we were just having this conversation, too, about how um, sometimes we grow up in these situations where we feel like we're in a really diverse group, right? And then <laughs> you see what else is happening, and you think, oh, well, so I'm in this diverse group, but not necessarily this diverse group. So can you kind of explain what that was like growing up, raising first Jonathan and then Luna? Well, I will say... I was uh, alone raising Jonathan, so it was um, definitely different. Um, and my background was, I was always in magnet school, so I grew up with everything under the sun in terms of every race, every socioeconomic background, in terms of my upbringing. And I felt like it was a real worldly view, so I wanted to recreate that for Jonathan. But funny enough, as he has kind of grown into junior high and high school, I noticed that he kind of went towards a more homogeneous type, more hanging around with kids that look like us. Um, but I know what I had exposed him to earlier gave him a different view. But with everything going on, I've been <clears throat> making sure to continue to educate him. Um, my friend, my, my group of friends look you know, like a reflection of the world, but I also have to educate him on uh, more so about what's been going on to understand why, why 
so angry, um, why change needs to happen, but having those conversations so that he understands what's going on. So. Yeah, well, well, and, it, and it's interesting too. You have the oldest child, you know, among our group, the the oldest child. Do you think that his his grasp and, and comprehension right now? It's almost like he can. He's an adult, right? I mean, he, he, he really feels the weight of this right now, doesn't he? He does. So I'm trying to make sure that he's uh, well educated so that he can help make changes in a bigger way, obviously, than Luna can at this point in time. Um, but continuing to educate him because he is an adult in some ways and consider an adult. So um, at the same time, I still have to tell them the same things. Hey, when you go out with friends, just be mindful um, of, you know, if you get pulled over by the police, those types of things can be negative, negative interactions as well. So I'm always keeping that kind of uh, lens on things even for him. Yeah, I was going to say that same thing, Marisol. I mean, you've got that, the, the, that you've got that same, like it should not be a burden, but it is. It's that discussion that not everybody has to have with their child. And do you think he feels that too? Like you've just have to, he has to be so on point. I don't think it's really, he's really wrapped his head around it. So we have to continue to have those conversations, you know, uh, you know, make sure we just had this conversation about dress the other day and about uh, how you're dressed if you're going out late at night. Like those things matter just in case you get pulled over. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, Patsy, we um, had had a conversation off the air that I think is important for people to understand on the air and um, it might be relatable to so many people. Patsy graduated from Highland Park High School, which some people in this community would say, well, isn't that just the gift of the world? The, you know, what, you know to, to be in this, this high school that, that's really known all over the country. And then you said to me, Jenny, I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin until well into college. Um, because of that fact that there were not many Asian Americans there and, and you felt different. Can you explain what that was like growing up? Not because of necessarily the people around you, but just from feeling different. Sure. Yeah. So, of course, when my, you know, as all, I guess, Asian immigrants, right, my parents always looked for places where the schools were well known, the education would be good. And we're, you know, public educated, pub public education educated kids. So, so everywhere I'd been before that was kind of the same. You know, I was at, um, you know, Katie Taylor, um, which was a very new development at the time down in Houston. And then when I moved up, I started at um, Highland Park, uh, sophomore through uh, senior year where, where I graduated. And so it was very much a community where I did not see a lot of people who looked like me, I guess, if you would. And there wasn't just a lot of diversity there either. So it was one of those things where you tried to fit in as best as you can. Um, you know, I did all the things that um, I enjoyed. You know, I was on dance team, so I was a Holland Bell. Um, you know, you try to do the best you can in school. Um, but I, it's like I really had never connected with my roots. Mm. Um, so it really wasn't until college when I got to just, um, you know, meet other people. And then in, in law school, especially because I did an exchange program over to Hong Kong where uh, my dad's side of the family lives and just really got to fully experience um, my Asian American side, my Asian side, I guess, of the Asian American side. Um, and, and just it made me a lot more comfortable and also just 
the fact that going away to college opened my mind up to um, racial diversity, what mm -hmm. other people go through, um, it who, you know, don't aren't, aren't you know your your basic white you know, um, uh, you know person. Sure. It's just it's just altogether different, you know. It really, really is, and it's just so amazing to connect with a group that you're like, "Wow, this is our heritage," mm -hmm. um, you know, and appreciate it, and truly appreciate it, and not run from it because you're trying so hard to be white. I, I guess see. that's that's the, you know. Yeah. Speaking of that, Patsy, I mean, this is this coronavirus has been a particularly challenging time for Amer for for Asian Americans specifically. We saw a ton of discrimination, um, hate, and just awful speech directed toward um, those communities because of you know because of this virus. Is this something that you and your family worried about, or did, did anybody ever direct that at you, or did, did you have to warn your kids about it? Yeah, that is one of those things that we've been doing a lot of reading about it um, because, again, I mean, we, we've been primarily quarantined the whole time, but I do go to the store and just try to get in and out and be as polite as possible. Um, my kids have pretty much been nowhere public. <laughs> <laughs> You're like me, so, yeah. Conversations with, but, you know, we do talk about it in the terms of racism and that sort of thing, but that is part of the conversation that I want to incorporate um, with my kids just to know that there is racism sometimes. And I, I've started a little bit of the conversation again, primarily with Ryan, because he's my older one. And so as we're just like fixing dinner, sometimes I'll, I'll bring up stuff because we're talking about the news and that type of thing. And um, and he said to me, which I did think was kind of funny, he's like, Mom, I know that um, I'm not, you know, that I, I could be discriminated because I'm technically I'm Asian, which I had not heard that terminology yet until he said it. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, OK, well, I guess he's having some conversations with his friends, too. <laughs> Um, but yeah, interesting. So, do you think he and his friends talk about this kind of stuff? You know, I think that they must because I will tell you when we talk about the whole idea of being colorblind, my child did not actually um, notice when I say notice skin color or just think anything of it or different races, I guess, you, if you will until it was a huge issue in um, the prior uh, election where there was that whole, should we build a wall? And he was like, why would we want to build a wall to keep people out? You know, one of his best friends is Hispanic. And he's like, why would we want to keep him and his family out? You know? Um, and so it, it's, it's just, so that did, that's when we actually started kind of more conversations, I guess, if you will, on um, racism and what it means and why, do, you know, immigration wise, because actually I am an immigration attorney. So just bringing in that piece and explaining that uh, to him. Well, and I think it's really important you bring up, you know, being colorblind and everything. So it's like we can go one way and not talk about it. But then it's almost like then we end up in this situation where people don't know what's happening to people who don't look like them. It's really I think it's a it's a fine line to figure out what what do we share with the kids and what do we just let them do in terms of in terms of just, you know, moving forward and, and being friends with whoever they want to be friends with. Um, gosh, there's so much more I want to ask you guys. I do want to go through and, and get at least one more question with, with each of you with regard to advice. Again, I brought this up as a conversation where if you, you know, just 
haven't met somebody who's experienced this, let me introduce them to you. Let me let you, you know, experience just at least a little part of their story. So Kiana, I'll start with you in terms of what is your advice for parents in talking to, uh, talking to their kids about race and also what's your ask, you know? What, what, what is your ask of these other parents as they are, as we're all bringing kids up in the world together? Yeah, I would say my thing is just to be intentional with diversity, be intentional with how you respond to things because we can teach our kids to be a certain way but if we're passing judgment because we're watching the news and we're having conversations with our husbands, we don't realize that our kids are watching that. So although we're saying, you know, be this way, if we're not this way, um, our kids are learning by what we're doing, not just by what we're saying. Um, being intentional with their toys, with their books, with their schools. And I think not just, even for me, I think I was telling you about this, Jenny, like I wasn't intentional about having black friends with black kids. That was my son's age. I was just, you know, I didn't grow up that way where I was just like, oh, I got to play with black people, white people, Asian people, Russian people. Like I, I didn't grow up like that. Um, so I, I was, I felt really guilty when I went to Virginia and we were in a mall and my son was playing at the playground and there was mostly black kids and he did not feel comfortable playing with the black kids. And then there was this one Hispanic girl that came and he wanted to only play with her. Mm. And I called my husband immediately and I said, you know what, like we have not done a good job, um, being diverse in all races, including our own. Um, and so as soon as we got back home, I was like, we got to make black friends. We got to make sure that, you know, that we're not just putting him in sports at the country club, but he's also going to the YMCA because those kids who don't have the means to go to a country club to learn golf or tennis, they need to see that, you know, black kids can come from doctors and models and lawyers and judges. Like you can too be that those people, you don't have to just catch the bus to play sports, you know, mm -hmm. um, and I want my kids to be um, to be around all this. I need to have more diverse friends, um, and so that's going to help me um, and your your kids be friendly to my kid when we you know when we are all in this together with being intentional, um, being diverse, having those open conversations. I love um, what Patsy was talking about as far as role playing. Um, when he gets older, like, what do you do in this situation? And today I was teaching Jamesy about apples. He's three. And I said, well, this, this skin color on this apple is red and this skin color is yellow and this skin color is, is green. And they're all apples, but they all taste a little different. And, you know, and so we kind of talked about um, the apples being different. And he looked at me, he said, mommy, you're lighter. And I said, yeah, I'm a lighter shade than you, but we're all, you know, we're all the same. So just finding, you know, age appropriate ways to talk to him about that. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's so good. It's so good. We're, I'm just like enamored. I'm li literally like, when am I going to do the apple lesson? It's, um, that, that's so, it's so, it's so good, Kiana. And you say, oh gosh, you, you put a lot of pressure on yourself as a mom. I, I know we all do. You're an amazing parent. And, and, and I think we're all just sort of evolving and, you know, and, and hopefully having these conversations will help all of us. But, um, I'm, I'm excited to see you and Jamesy and, and hang out when, when all this is over and we can all see each other again. Um, Marisol, I want to talk to you about this really quickly. At pa Patsy touched on, you know, the, the, the wall situation, um, you know, during the election and the bringing up of that. I don't, 
when when that was such a big discussion and it is still a big discussion and you know the uh enchando side of the family came here from mexico and when every time i hear that it just it stings like it just it hurts and even though i know it's not about me it just um is is painful because i think of all the beautiful contributions my family has made do you feel that same way when you hear those types of discussions or do you think your kids feel that way I don't know necessarily that my kids feel that way, but I know that it makes my blood boil because I know my great grandfather walked over here in the early 1900s um, and he is a big part of our lineage. And I just think of, of, of what he brought to our family and how he served in both militaries on, on the U.S. side and on the Mexican side. And it, it just makes my blood boil more so in Texas, I think, more than anything, because it was part of Mexico for so long. Yeah, I, I, I feel you on that, and I don't know, um, yeah, I was the same, same, you know, yeah, when your grandfather serves in the U.S. military and, and, and you know the, the great contributions your family has made, um, it's tough. Marisol, I want to hear your sort of advice for parents and ask for parents that same question I asked Kiana. What, what is, what is um, you know, the advice for, for raising your kids to have a life that reflects the world? like your does, yours does. How do you do that? Well, um, to be, piggyback off of what Kiana said, to be intentional. Be intentional with what you're doing. I think that is so utterly important that you're intentional with every conversation. Our kids watch everything we do. Um, and I think the other thing is to not, so to say, be colorblind uh, or not see color. I think we celebrate our differences. Um, we teach our, our children the beauty of other cultures and to celebrate them. We are all different, but we all bring such great things to the table and to continue to educate our children um, around the differences more than anything. Mm, that's Yeah, that's an interesting thing. I think sometimes it's so delicate. People are scared to say anything, so they say nothing, and we and, th and then we end up knowing nothing. Um, and, and then we get into a situation like we're in right now, um, and, and I, this does, to me, feel different than other race conversations that have come up and then, unfortunately, gone back down over the years. I, I hope it's feeling different for, for everybody else. Patsy, I'll, I'll wrap up with you asking that same question again. Um, if, if, you if there's an, an ask of other parents that you want them to educate their kids on, and if so, how you think it's, it's best to go forward and do that? It, I agree with everything um, Kiana and Marisol have said. You've got to keep this at the forefront of the conversation. And I am so guilty of this. When all of this was happening and we've been talking about it um, with our family, my sister said, um, you know, why, why, you know, but you're, you're living life, you're living life and you're not thinking about it, you know, because she was asking me, well, what, what can we do? I guess that's what she was asking yeah. me. And she's like, what can we truly do? And I thought about that and I said, yeah, you know what? First of all, we have to keep this conversation alive coupled with, you know, actually doing stuff that we can do to support the cause. So again, the education piece that y'all are talking about, um, the, you know, the, the peaceful protests, you know, if, if for situations, standing up for everyone. So I know that, you know, I brought up the situation of my colleagues, um, but in addition to that, you know, the people who don't even have a voice then, you know, I mean, these are at least these well-educated people, they can bring it up and put it in the media. Whereas, you know, this happens on a daily basis at the grocery store to, to, to just everyday people. Um, you know, we really need to keep 
do not get so caught up in our lives that we don't keep the conversation alive. I mean, I think that that's probably the biggest thing because I know I'm so guilty of that. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, when Ellen asked me, I thought, oh, you know, I mean, that that's one of the places to start. And then the education piece, just, you know, reading and reading and, and, and I'm learning with my kids because I, I, I'm terrible at history, by the way, terrible. <laughs> We're all getting <laughs> on board. Really, I didn't really enjoy it, but, you, it, but it's necessary because if you don't know where all of the roots of, mm -hmm. of this are coming from, then you can't be as effective, you know? And so, so that's important. I think that's a perfect way of wrapping it up, knowing that our history is important. All of us have different backgrounds and different histories, and maybe somebody listening to this or watching this, you know, has a different history that needs to be represented too. So I thank you, all of you, for taking the time, for being here, for being kind of just a girlfriend to the other people who, who are listening and watching. I appreciate your time, and thank you, everybody, for watching. You can get more about Second Shot at secondshotpodcast.com.